High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, Slumbers, to another summer episode of High School Slumber Party. We're here on San Emilio Island, USA, enjoying our beach house. And look who I finally dragged in from the Tiki Bar. The Foodie Films man himself, Kyle Reinfried, you're here. Uh, kind of. <laughs> how, how you doing? <laughs> I'm kidding. I have my wits to me. I drink enough that I don't get drunk anymore. <laughs> but you're trying. You're trying. Trying. Every night. Every night. Yeah. You pass out on the beach. But that's more for fun, right? It's more yeah, because it's like cool at night, warm in the morning. That summer breeze. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can join me on a, a little intro here. Of course, you were not a part of the Fear Street episode. No, I can't watch horror. <laughs> but you have been enjoying the summer with me here in our rented house on San Emilio Island. We just released one of our summer break drink videos. We just did a Mai Tai. That was fun. Yeah, that was. And I, you bring the information, and I try to facilitate the uh, the recipe. Yes, I, I throw the pass, and you dunk it in the blender. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely check out our social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also. I know there's not officially summer homework, guys, but please, as a courtesy, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, you can check out our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. The archive of foodie films is on there, too. So you can check out that as well. Check out that as well, yeah. And um, As you pour yourself another drink. I thought you were done for the night. With uh, liquor. This is beer. Oh, good. This is a lovely saison. You just got to wash it out. You got to wash out the liquor with yeah. beer. <laughs> well, again, we are concluding Fear Street today. Kate Hudson is our guest. So you know what to expect there. A couple other things I wanted to mention before we get into it, though. Cousin Pumpkin, he got that goofy movie tattoo. He finally did what? it. What? It was all. Oh, you didn't. Oh, I forgot. You don't bring your phone when you go out on the beach. No. Just a tin can and a string. <laughs> And you write the ladies' numbers on post-it notes? Yes. And then I call them via conch shell. <laughs> Not the coconut phone? <laughs> that, would, that would be smarter. <laughs> yes, Cousin Pumpkin finally got his Goofy Movie tattoo, so check that out on social media as well. I went with him. I left the island for a little bit to, to help him get his tattoo. I went to Long Island, so another island. 
took the ferry over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of happenings lately. Let's see. Oh, and of course, we did He Got Game. We completed that two-parter on He Got Game on Monday. Oh, wait. No, that was Friday. I can't even remember now. Today's Monday, right? It's summer, man. It's so hard in the summer. I was like, oh, shit. I have to release an episode today. I completely forgot. So apologies that it's late. There you go. <laughs> well, we don't say pack our favorite jammies here. Maybe I should say put on your Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, put on your uh, cabana gear. Put on your cabana gear. Tell your mother you're staying at Brian and Kyle's for the summer. Ooh, I want like cabana pajamas. That's Ooh. just like a fun way to say it too. <laughs> cabana pajamas. Foodie Films Edition cabana yeah. pajamas. <laughs> With bananas. <laughs> Good show, good show. <laughs> you should cover bananas and pajamas, pajamas. on, on footy yeah. films. They're, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're about to get our party on. I leave you with this awesome hit by The Offspring. Later, dudes. You gotta keep them separated. Book expert. Thank you. Fear Street book series, all that. Movies, I'll put the disclaimer again. Everything is telling me not to, but I'll say it one more time, slumberers. If you're just jumping in right now on part three, you're really, you know, missing out in a sense. And we're not going to go into all the production details again. We're just going to (laughs) jump right into this one. We are talking Fear Street 1666. I think I forgot this last time. I wanted to read the Netflix... Summary? Oh, okay. Yes. Fear Street, Part 3, 1666. Thrust back back to 1666. Dina learns the truth about Sarah Fear. Back in 1994, the friends fight for their lives and Shady Side's future. I forget to read these Netflix things because they're so short and they're just dumb. Dumb. Yeah, they're full of nothing. It doesn't feel fun when you read it when it's contemporary for a movie, too. It feels more fun when it's like 15 years old. Yes, yes. It's that I 100% agree with. But at least the other, like, streaming services try. Like, I did a Hulu movie the other day, and it was, like, two paragraphs long. It was a little too long. But then you think about Netflix, <laughs> like, this is a movie about this. Thanks. Maybe they cut their budget for that, but I don't know where that they're putting it towards because it wasn't towards this movie. No, no. That's Netflix across the board with their own properties. They just like to – they want you to watch a trailer. That's really why. It's – I'm just – Brian <laughs> – I got to tell you something. So I've been bummed out about this now for a couple of weeks. And I was like, shit, do I not love Fear Street? This literally set me into like an entire identity crisis for a little bit. Because as you love to recall, like recall this, the first time you ever asked me to be on the show, I mentioned Fear Street. Like it's, it's truly a part of my personality. I'm one of those, like with Fear Street, it's about what I like is who I am. And I've been trying to reread the first Fear Street and it took me like two and a half weeks. And those books are only 160 words written at a fourth grade reading level. Like it shouldn't have taken Wow. Long, right? Because I was so bored. I was like, shit, do I like Fear Street anymore? Do I? And I was like, okay, I finished The New Girl. 
I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday this week. It's like, I need to, I'm, I'm going to do what I said I did on the last recording and I'm going to reread the Fear Street Saga. Like just so I can be brushed up on this, just on the off chance, like it takes any inspiration from it. Spoilers, it doesn't. <laughs> so I went into it really like scared. I'm like, shit, what if I don't love Fear Street anymore? And I am happy to tell you that I like ripped through those in an afternoon and they are still fucking bonkers and amazing. So. Awesome. Yeah, so I still love Fear Street. I just didn't love these movies. And again, that makes sense because they're they're Fear Street movies barely, right? They're <laughs> Fear Street in slight inspiration. They have slight nods to what it is. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Kate, for this one, it might have been the worst of the three in terms of a sense of, well, I have my issues. I know you have your issues. <laughs> but What do you mean, Brian? What do you mean? Tell about that. <laughs> Well, this one also was the one that I was the most locked into and the most, like, I had the most fun watching this one because I finally let go trying to find something <laughs> in this and trying to think, like, oh, this is like the, like, this is the movie moment of the summer. So, uh, to be fair, I've looked on the internet and a lot of people are really enjoying this series. I don't know if they're necessarily Fear Street fans. No, they're not. They're goosebump babies, I'm telling you. <laughs> but a lot of people are really enjoying, you know, what's happening here. The horror people I've spoken to said that this, the third one here, was the worst of the horror ones. There weren't, there were kills, but it was like, this was more Goonies-ish, you know what I mean? It was weird. Like the second half I'm talking about. And the first half, there's a lot of expectations now at these like 1600s-ish horror <laughs> films. We'll get into it, trust me, we'll get into it, but... There's a lot of expectations with them, right? Like, to have a certain look and a certain feel. And while this had, like, the look at certain times, it certainly didn't have the feel of, like, that movie, like, The Witch that came out a couple years ago. Or, again, like, not in the same era, but the same kind of... What's the... I said it the other week. Oh, Midsommar. You know those, like, creepy high-level horror films that people dig? Like, people I know who are fans of that were, like, it was clearly trying for that and did not hit that. What made me so happy, I'm actually happy to talk about this movie, is because I realized what we've been saying the entire time, but this is just Pretty Little Liars. This is just, uh, what's that one that they're remaking? Um, The one with Blake Lively originally? Oh, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. You know what I mean? This is just something that would be on Freeform. I can't believe, I can't believe it was supposed to be in the theaters. That shocks me, and I've confirmed that. I know you mentioned reading that, so I did, like, my research, and yeah, this was supposed to have, like, three weeks in a row film release, and I'm like, no, that would not have worked. It's working on Netflix. It's doing well on Netflix, but at the end of the day, it's not really for me. It's not really for you, and it's like, once you learn to love the bomb, just, you know, just, like, (laughs) just accept it, and this one has enough silliness, especially in that first half, that I'm like, we're gonna have a fun ride talking about it today, I think. (laughs) Well, I I was, I was live texting you during it. I like the first 20 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck, Brian? And then I think 15 minutes. I'm like, nah, I'm kind of liking this one now. It's just so bad. It's good. Finally though. Finally. Right. Like you want a movie to make a choice where one way, and maybe they didn't consciously make that choice. <laughs> no, I think that choice was made for them. But uh, again, I'm okay with it. And I would actually rewatch the others knowing that we've concluded our trilogy here and knowing that like, Again, something you told me on Twilight. Don't read into what's happening too much. Just, just freaking let it smother you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never watch this again. But 
did I describe it to you? I think I described it to you this way last time. Like it's like waiting for a pizza party for 30 years and then you get there and it's all Hawaiian pizzas. Yeah. Again, I, I think, you know, maybe we'll disagree on the final score, but I think we're going to have fun talking about this one. And just a recap, uh, as we've been doing this, since we're doing it so fresh, the weekends they come out, we've been double checking those Rotten Tomato scores to see if they changed. Mm-hmm. Fear Street Part 2 kind of stayed where it was. 89% by the critics, 82% by the audience. Well, yeah, because it wasn't a Fear Street. It was just a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, and looking back, if you take the Fear Street stuff away, I, I don't mind it. And I think it can stand alone. Like, again, people would be confused at the beginning and end part, but I think it could theoretically stand alone. This one was a movie in two parts, which could not stand alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hell no. It was, okay, so bef- I want to get this out of the way because we completely, because we're not horror people, we completely missed the inversion of the final girl standard in the first, in the second. Oh, movie. yes, yes. So we have to like fall on the sword a little bit. So I came into that watching it. So this also inverts the final girl in the sense that there's two final girls because typically I've seen enough horror movies to know the older one has to die because there can only be one final girl. I also know that uh, the pot smoking black guy always has to die and he lived. Mm-hmm. And That's true. like the nerdy little brother who usually dies and that's like the like the impetus to making the final girl like get her strength. He lived too. They didn't kill off any main characters at the end of this, which is typically you go into a third movie, like the rules of Scream 2, it's bloodier. Don't get attached to anybody because they all could die. And yet Lee Janiak was like, no, fuck this. I'm going to let, I'm going to let the bait finally have their day. I wanted to actually touch base on that because you sent me a great article, which I can't remember who wrote From Rich Jusiak. I love him. Thank you. Thank you. Rich Jusiak. Uh, where does he write for? He, well, he used to write for 4-4 at his own blog, but he's written for like the Gawker sites for like the past 12 years. Gotcha. I, gotcha. I love him. I've been a fan of his for like 15 years. No, it was a great article, and I've kind of corroborated this with uh, some horror friend fans of mine who, who have watched the series, and again, mo- none of our conversation was about Fear Street, the book series necessarily. It was about how uh, Lee Janiak, the director, has uh, continued to subvert these horror tropes and, you know, successfully, according to them. Um, they've enjoyed the kills, they've enjoyed the teasing of what was going to happen and then the change in that um and a lot of people also have enjoyed that this is very much a 20 a young people's 2021 horror film and we'll definitely get into that today in a sense that you know it's quote-unquote woke you know Um, but it's woke to its detriment too i'm sorry but 17 year old girls weren't having oral sex in the woods in mythical 1666 ohio well yes yes you know there's a lot of that but again I just learned to embrace the fact that I, I don't want to start my rant yet on the 1666 Ohio. I want to, but then I know I'm just going to forget the other things like bingo, right? Oh, you got so many bingos. Did I get bingo though? I have to ask you because it was a bit controversial. No, you did. You definitely got bingo. I was looking at the bingo card I gave you as I watched it to see if you'd get a bingo. Let's see, because I I want you to be the determining factor in that. So here's what I got, and tell me if you saw it or not. And guys, if if you're listening for the first time, we've been playing bingo. You made one board for the first two movies, but you got a fresh Fear Street 1666 bingo board for this film. So I was happy to play. And I'm going to read these things. You're going to tell me if we saw it. Skulls? I'm assuming we saw that at some point, right? I don't think we 
Well, the Skull Killer came towards the end. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't in the context we thought, but we'll still count it. Yeah, it wasn't in the the typical R.L. Stein. Love Doesn't Conquer All. Correct. Correct, definitely that one. But, oh, so, sorry, this is the one I think I got, but we'll see. Innocent Women Accused, of course. Oh, duh. Occult, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Fear Street not mentioned. Clever. <laughs> that was the that was the free box because the first two I like Fear Street mentioned. Because how can you have a fucking trilogy about Fear Street, the location, and never mention it? Well, did you see that we do see Fear Street? Or no. did you miss that? Ooh, it was only Where, brief. Where'd we see it? So they're just running, like in the second part, they're just running down and they pass Fear Street, but it's Ugh. spelled Sarah Fear. It's not spelled F E A R. Yeah, that, uh, we just that, see it briefly. I didn't a, count it because you wrote it Fear Street, so I'm counting the spot here. But well, yeah, also I said not mentioned. Not mentioned. So it wasn't too, mentioned. Too. Like I think it would be a little bit better if we saw it and it was Fear Street, but like the fact that they had to slightly ground it in reality despite everything else, and it's like Sarah Fear Street. Like again, it's not Sarah Fear Street. It's Fear Street spelled the old fashioned. Just I, th- I just feel like she wanted to tell this story, and then Netflix bought the fear street ip they're like yeah make it a fear street and she did crazy everything she says doesn't indicate that but on paper uh, you know well yeah because if you're promoting your movie you can't just be like i had this trilogy of horror i wanted to write in my mind and then we shoehorned arl stein into it at the very (laughs) end like that's like no marketing pr person be like no greatly go with that fair fair Okay, so Black Magic, definitely. Duh, yeah. And then this is the one I was like, did I get it or not? Are you counting Identity Fake Out in this? Oh, God, yeah. You didn't know that that was um, Solomon Good until the very end. I didn't know if that, like, it, it wasn't literally Solomon Good, right? Wasn't it just like, is he in his bo- descendants' bodies? Or it's just like he no. passes, okay. He's a good. But the whole point, the reveal that he was a good, that was an identity fake out in my Okay, opinion. that counts? Okay, okay. Yeah, because it's an identity fake out to the audience. Gotcha. Okay, so then I did get bingo. Yeah. Here are the other uh, spots I think I got. Oddly religious. Yup. Everyone is terrible. I want. I don't know if we were counting this, but like everyone gets terrible in the village. Yeah, everyone's okay. terrible. Okay. Goods versus fears, obviously. Oh, yeah. The witch wasn't bad. Exclamation point. <laughs> Innocence killed. Actually, spectacularly, too. I was like, fuck yeah. They, I love how she kills kids in these movies. <laughs> now, this is controversial. Yes. No, that's something we can agree <laughs> on. You know, that sub- subverts things as well. This one is a technicality, but last minute betrayal. We no. Got a, well, it's, we it's... Got, well, we got it in the first. She clearly said part one and part two. So there was a last minute betrayal in that first part because the Solomon good guy seemed like a good guy. Yeah, no, that's to- that is class. I will get. I will give Lee Janiac that. That is classic Fear Street. That's why I put it in there. Awesome, awesome. And then let's see what else I might have gotten. Generational feud, of course. Oh yeah. Witch in the woods. Yup. And good kills fear. Yup. The fear killed good too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sarah Fear at the end killed killed the good. There you go. I think you. Okay, wait. Then I might have got double bingo. Well, I thought you were going to get it for Generational Feud, Last Minute Betrayal, Fear Street Not Mentioned, Bad Guys Punished, Innocence Killed. Bad Guys Oh, Bad Guys Punished. You're right. There you go. <laughs> Burned Alive, I'm surprised we didn't get. Me too, because R.L. Stein. so in the books, 
the goods versus fears is all kicked off because Benjamin and Matthew Fear, who were magistrates in a town in Massachusetts, decide to kill Susanna Good and they burn her and her mom alive at the stake because Susanna Good, who is a poor, wants to marry his fancy son, Edward. Edward, who is um, a... <laughs> Shout out to Edward Cullen. I, I was like when I was rereading this thinking that maybe Stephanie Meyer pulled Edward Cullen from Edward Fear. But basically they were going to get married for love. And Benjamin Fear's like, over my dead body. But then twist, Susanna Good's father, I think his name was Matthew Good, turned out to be a black magician well-versed in the evil arts. And thus Ooh. kicks off the generational feud of the Fears versus the Goods. Nice. Much, much better than this shit. <laughs> oh, one, one more, I think. Uh, we got on this board is Evil Curse Never Dies. So I was really surprised. I had F-I-E-R, so fear into F-E-A-R. I really thought that they were going to at least kind of go into that, but no. No. Yeah, I mean, they just did not do the whole fear street, fear street thing. So it is what it is. Unfortunately, you didn't get that, but (laughs) we, we got a lot of fun things, I think, to talk about. By the way, uh, what were your thoughts on the cast here? It's like the same cast, but like some of the people from the first movie and some of the people from the second movie are in the 1600s. Well, okay, so we, actually we didn't really get a transportation into the 1600s, right? We, no, we, we got like a vision. It was, uh, yeah, it's when she reunites the hand with the body and then she's like, oh, suddenly it was just so it was it was weird. It was it it didn't work for me. I've read some glowing reviews for this and I've read some reviews that were, again, more in line with us, which comforted me. It really did. And not like, let's shit on everything here. Let's shit on everything about teenage girls, which we've discussed, too, which I hate to do. No. And again, that there are reviews like that. That's not the ones I'm agreeing with. But God. I think it was AV Club or one of the. I'll, I'll find the website. Oh, but, not that dork on AV Club though. He should not have been reviewing these movies. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. But it was someone who had a list of like the anachronisms from the entire series so far. Like in terms of like the dude when he's in the online chat room. And I know this is super corny, but like you mentioned this, the whole internet thing, which a lot of other people are talking about. Like people weren't really doing those chat rooms in nineteen. 19- uh, 93 or whatever. Or 94. 94. No, they weren't. And we didn't, on our, first off, they were called handles. They weren't called usernames. And we didn't have the at. I'm 95% sure that whole at username is because of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. And the, another thing with it, too, is they were saying, like, all the fonts on that screen were invented post-2000. Oh, well, that's just, that. that's obnoxiously nitpicky. It's nitpicky. I get that. But I don't understand, and this is what the overall a lot of articles have been saying, I don't understand that if you're so focused on putting these years in the titles and doing period pieces for the times that you're in, that you don't research basic stuff. You were right, Kate, with the hair and the styles too, because I saw an article about that as well for both the uh, 94 and the, the, the one in the seventies that like, they're like, what is going on here? And the lingo, the lingo, which we, I think we briefly talked about, but like looking back, they're talking like they're like beach kids from the 60s at times. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, this is my problem with Fear Street. It's that it, I wanted it to be for me and it was not made for me. It just wasn't. And that's why I'm so pissed because it should have been fucking made for me. And I don't mean that like in an entitled like <laughs> like way, <laughs> but like it should have been made for my generation. And I don't, I still will never understand the decision to take a beloved late Gen X, early millennial, like IP property and make it entirely for some, like not make it for us. 
Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, Money. you should have cast Joshua Jackson as good. You should have cast, right? Like, you, the Mary, the, the mom who was also the witchy woman, you should have cast Jennifer Love Hewitt or Nev Campbell or some other, like, Clea Duvall, who probably, Ooh. like, all of these people are probably, like, a little too fancy for like a netflix movie trilogy but if you got jillian jacobs you could get someone of that 90s caliber you could have done that you know what i mean cast topanga what's she doing <laughs> like it's, it's i don't understand all of this shit i could have lived with brian is if you had just embraced the source material and the time and the generations that propped it up I know I sound like a boomer. And if some zoomer is listening, she's probably like, this is why we fucking hate you millennials. But it's just, <laughs> it is, if this had been in that vein and it was just too gory, I would have been like, I, I see what they did. I respect it. It's just not for me. But I don't respect the choices they made here because it doesn't make sense. And I have a marketing background. It doesn't make sense to take this beloved IP and have no ties to the source material and have no sort of like fan deference moments. And maybe it's like all these horrible Marvel movies, which I, I don't like them, but they have so many fan service moments that maybe I've just gotten lazy and been trained to expect them. <laughs> right. But like there were very few fan service moments. Like the most we got was in the initial 15 minutes in the first movie, 1994, where they're talking about the books when they're playing the 90s music. Like even like Fear Street Part uh, 94 Part Two, like there's like three like three 90s songs. It's it's fascinating, and also like something that they say about uh, Gen Zers is that just like they hate millennials' love of nostalgia, and these these movies are going back in time, and maybe it's just like. They don't give a fuck if it's accurate what they're saying or what they're doing, or they just want to see pretty people who they're used to seeing on TikTok do shit, and it doesn't matter about Joshua Jackson, and it doesn't matter if the music, and, and which again has been great in the first two installments, but it's maybe not period all the time, and the hair doesn't matter to them, like that doesn't matter. Like I'm just guessing that a Gen Zer would be turned off by like a weirdo 1994 hair, you know. You know lawn then don't make fear street like go make this if you hadn't done fear street i would not give a shit about these movies i would have no opinions because i never would have watched them and i would have been like yeah go have fun kids but fuck you you took my beloved fear street <laughs> and you turned it into something that it's not we're, we're getting older kate that's that's, just that's okay truth. but like it's like if you if you took a Twilight movie and you didn't put vampires in it. Like this is how fundamentally like flawed these movies. No, are. no, it's not that crazy. But I think if they redid Twilight and they like took out the camping campiness and made it like super super serious, you know what I mean? And super. But they did. No, but they did. They tried their best. They right. yes, they tried their best. But <laughs> if they remade it, you would want them to continue with that style, not like them trying. Like okay. This is going to sound mean to the makers of Twilight, but whatever, we've done worse. It's almost like if they remade Twilight with people who are more competent, who made it like a serious vampire tale that we were just like watching and we're like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I and disagree. I think they made it with the most, especially the first movie, the most competent people they could find. And that's <laughs> why it was so much better than it had no, any I know, right I, to. I get that. I get that. But all right. Different, different spin on it then. Let's say they remade Twilight. But there's no mention of the Cullens. Or, or, or there's Cullens, but they're not the same Cullens. They live in a different place, and they're doing different things. 
this is like if they remade Twilight and they made it a camp version and they made it a musical <laughs> and they were just winking and nodding at the camera the entire time. That's like, it's like if they took it and just shit upon the source material. Yeah, but I don't think that they're winking and nodding at the camera at all here. I think they do. No, like- I know. No, I know, but it's just like Twilight, in order for it to be Twilight, had to be taken seriously. Again, it might be made for horror people, horror millennials, but but it's not made for, sorry. I I spoke to my horror friend. She was just like, this is only okay. But she also loved Fear Street. Mm, Well, that see, there's a conflict of interest there. Is there? Because really, there shouldn't have been horror fans who love Fear Street. It should have been a slam dunk. But you can't say that this movie was a failure. It's been top the top film on Netflix the past three weeks. It's, again, getting positive reviews from the critics. The the kiddos, I think, are talking about it. <laughs> this is so condescending. Oh, my God. The kids with their sock hops and their soda fountains. <laughs> are they talking about it, Brian? No, but, but people younger than us are talking about it. It achieved everything they wanted to achieve. So the problem is they didn't want it to achieve what you wanted it to achieve, which sucks, but... Agreed. And again, if this wasn't a, an IP that I loved so dearly, I would not have given a shit. But I will never get over the fact that they made a Fear Street and didn't fucking mention Fear Street. It's insane. And it was, yeah, I just, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. We might get more. We might get more. That ending, we might get more. Yes, we might get more. I would like to see more because, again, I think they will would lean on more books if that was the case. Well, you know what's going to happen, truly, is now they're going to bring a man in and it's going to get really gross. <laughs> I hope not, but... If they do more Fear Streets, it'll be some fucking coked up bro in his late 20s and, like, it'll just be lots of tit shots. Like, it, it will lose any sort of, like, feminist, like, sheen it had. Trust me. Well, that remains to be seen. I'm going to be an optimist with it, but... Oh, man. I, I, we've been tiptoeing around this. Fear Street 1666, like the part that's actually in 1666. <laughs> and again, I love it because it's terrible. It's, it's it was te- so bad. Oh, it was terrible, Brian. It was terrible. Oh, my God. So I'm a, I'm a fancy myself a history buff, which is a corny thing to say, but I love history. Oh, love no, but it. calling yourself a Fear Street historian is super <laughs> And we had discussed this in the previous week that, like, how were they going to get to 1666 in Ohio? Because, like, that kind of culture wasn't existing. Like, the European settlement in Ohio in 1666 would have been French forts and things like that. Fur trading establishments. It wouldn't have been a full established Puritan town. That didn't happen until about 100 years later. You uh, imagine, though, if they had tried it with French accents? How bad <laughs> it would have been? Sacre bleu! You are a witch! But again, those were not... They were temporary establishments, right? They were not um, long-term outposts that turned into towns. This is a, this is, would be historic if settlers made it here in 1666. That whole kind of... I know no one cares right now, but that whole kind of Western, no, it. Western expansion did not really come to be till the discovery of the Cumberland Gap in uh, late 1700s, I believe, but after like the founding of of the you know United States of America. And then, to be fair, I say the discovery of it. Let's not be assholes and ignore the Native Americans who had 
discovered that many years ago, the Native Americans who were living in that Ohio territory that they love to ignore here. But I guess they just didn't want to touch I it, mean, you know? They were ignored in the movie, too, so why That's not? That's what I mean. That's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> like... we, we didn't see them here, you know? Which, you know, they were the ones living in Ohio at that time, not these random Irish settlers that appeared <laughs> with, with, with Puritan accents. And honestly, I, I'm, maybe a hot take, I don't care and I actually like that they used the actors from the earlier things in, in the I sorry I should say the idea of it that they use the actors from the uh, two earlier movies for this vision because it's almost like having a dream and you have a dream somewhere else but you're picturing people that you know like the freaking Wizard of Oz or something like that I don't I don't really care about that I actually think that's a cool idea the matching of who was who was a little odd right yeah. Like why I, I don't understand why the sisters had to be there because the sisters being sisters had no real context to anything. No, we thought that was going to be a big thing and it wasn't. Um, and then just like yeah, exactly. It did. It didn't make sense that what they were wearing wouldn't have even made sense for that time anyway. And the wigs were real bad. The wigs were bad, and yes, the accents were terrible. So I, I, I don't <laughs> get it. They were so bad. Yeah, I will. Listen, we're going to shit on this a lot in the next five minutes, so I will just say the girl who played Kate, she's the standout sort of breakthrough talent for me in this whole trilogy. I think that she is by far, she was the strongest of the actors. I think that she did the best accent work, and I think she has the most presence on screen. Yeah, Julia Raywald is her name, and she was great. And honestly, I think that they, as kids, did well in like the regular eras or whatever. But going back in time, wouldn't you want, and I feel bad, for uh, Kiana Madeira, who played Dina, and then Sarah Fear, because I didn't think she was bad, and I thought, you know, I thought she was doing well in the in the first movie, and yeah, parts of the second movie, but to just, I guess I'll shoot on the director a little bit, to put her in this position where she has to have that accent back in time like that, yeah. and embarrass herself, because again, frankly... It's not good, her accent, and most of the accents are not good, and it's distracting from the movie. If you are already having them go back in time, and it's them, just keep the American accents. It's fine. We know you're in 1666. That's the name of the movie. I'm not going to be like, wait, what? Even though this town in Ohio didn't exist, (laughs) they have American accents? Fuck you. No, to me, I, I see it as a vision, and in your dream, you're probably not having a shitty Irish accent, right? I, I just listen I her, it was real bad so let's give her a little bit of credit she is not American like I could hear a Canadianness come through occasionally in this trilogy mm-hmm. so it's I think it's a harder accent to access like I think it's a harder accent to uh, access Brian if you're if you're coming Canadian to, to Irish but why does it have to be an Irish accent in that case too? I don't fucking know. Canada was settled at the same time um, she's why did it have to be Ohio? There's no fucking mention no. of Fear Street being in Ohio. Like, you could have made this Massachusetts and solved basically all your problems. Yes, yes. And again, it doesn't need to be a real town. We get that. But it needs to well, be in a place that that existed. And it would have tied back to the initial Fear Street saga because all this weird shit happens in Massachusetts and a little bit in Pennsylvania, all of which I probably, I'm guessing, had been settled by 1666. Yes, 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 absolutely. Lee Janiak is from Ohio. FYI, oh, so probably want to do that. But that's like me fucking taking this and putting it in Alaska in 1666. Russian accents would have been great. But it, oh my god, can you imagine? I can't. I can't even fake a Russian accent here. <laughs> and I have a degree in drama. Do you actually have a degree in drama, or are you yeah. saying that because of the drama you get into? 
No, I, 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 have a, I have a drama degree from one of the most prestigious universities in England. I thought you had a, a degree in chaos because I've heard that as well. Oh, no, I definitely do. But that, that one's not from an unaccredited university. <laughs> from an, called Life, okay? <laughs> but again, I, I don't want to blame her at all. Like, Kiana Madeira did great. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. So I looked her up a little bit. She is of mixed ancestry. She is part First Nations, which is awesome in the sense that, like I said, they ignore Native Americans. I didn't want to say that, like, in the casting-wise. I meant, like, in the story-wise. But why put a teenager in this position to have to do this accent when nobody no. cares? Well, the thing that I found really weird, too, is it's 1666. So to do double-blind casting and to put like a woman of color in that position and to not then mention it, I found it really jarring, right? Because if we're going to go after witches and you're going to cast, you know, a, a woman of mixed race in that, why not acknowledge that and have a layer to that story? You know what Be I mean? Because I, that, that goes to what I was saying though. I don't think that that story that she was seeing was actually them. I don't think there were any, was anyone of color in that town if we were watching the real version, you know what I mean? But no, but they had black families in that. They did. Those two, those girls, um, the kids in the beginning, and then who get their eyes gouged out. No, they were doing double blind casting. But then it, it just, it, it was anachronistic to the time when if had you not done that, it would have made, I think, a better statement than what you were going for. I don't know. We're in a weird time when it comes to the casting like this. So I can't, I, I, no, that would be more intriguing, but I also don't trust the filmmakers with st stuff like that, to be honest with you. But that's what she was going for. She was going for, like, woke Fear Street. Like, she was go like that. So that also, like, take, take aside all of my problems I have with the fact that it's not to source materials. One of the things I had a problem with, too, is that she puts this woke shit in, but then she doesn't contextualize it at all. And she doesn't. I don't want to say justify it, but then she doesn't thread it into the overall narrative to make a statement, in my opinion. Like, you have two, like, teenagers, like, going at it in the woods in 1666. Like, fucking justify it, man. Let's get more specific, though, okay? Sarah Fear is not a person of color. No, she's, that's the other thing. So it could have been a lot more interesting to me. Like you put a person of mixed race in that position. You can make a really interesting statement with that. You really can. Maybe but Lee Janiak as a, uh, what seems to be a white woman, wanted to lean more into the uh, queer storylines here than that. You know, maybe she didn't feel like it, in her hands that story would have been told the best. I'm just playing you know a uh, devil's advocate here but like a solomon good was <laughs> it was like it was playing bingo with itself like it was trying to hit these like moments of like progressiveness to show that this is 2021 like it's not like your your millennial gen x like parents like horror but it just it never really felt like it earned those moments like it put it in there and it's just like look are you happy now as opposed to let's weave this into the story from what i read in the reviews the queer subplots are getting very much applauded um online too as well so it, it might have hit home there but I, I think you're right that some of the other stuff was a little bit like what you know but i do want to talk about another thing that you've been alluding to their whole freaking witch party where they go to the woods they take magical drug berries and have a rave 
and it's and they're using language. Oh God, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. One of the things that they say, I'm like, that is not from the 1600s. That's not even from five years ago. Did they call something fire? Frigid bitch. Oh no! But fuck yeah! It's like that. Like come on. <laughs> And, like, if you were going to be like, no, this is Dina's interpretation of 1666 as seen through, like, a trippy hallucination by touching, like, Sarah Fear's bones, like, you should have had the reality bleed into that a little bit more. Like, someone's wearing a baseball cap and you look back and they're not or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's why I'm fine with the reality bleeding. But why the accents then? That makes no sense. But I don't think it was reality bleeding. I think that this was just, like, frankly, like, just cobbled together. It had to be reality bleeding, though. It had to be. Then why not make that more... No, because it wasn't part of the thread. By the way, are there psychotrophic berries in Ohio? I bet if we really wanted to dig into that, we could probably, like, be like, no, there are no psychotropic gummies in Ohio. Gummy berries in Ohio. So, uh, I... Again, I'm just nerding out on this podcast, but I recently went to Salem for Halloween. You're a dork. Uh, it, it was fun, but a little, you know, a little, little much, but it was fun. Regardless, on some of the tours, they would talk about, you know, there's like a witchcraft museum. And there were some of these kind of berries and roots that would give you this. It's nothing close to how we see a trip today because they couldn't isolate the elements of these things, right? Like, it's not shit in a lab, so it's a little bit crazy what we're seeing in this movie. However, it was never done on a mass scale like this. But but it was, though. Oh, my God. So I read this weird... story written by a german guy translated to english called the hitman's no not the, the hangman's daughter oh yeah yeah and so they talk about uh urgiat poisoning is that what it's called it's when you're um that weird psychotropic mold gets into your grains and then it makes you hallucinate yes yes okay so that they talked about a lot there but that wasn't necessarily on purpose so to clarify no, yeah <laughs> yeah that was ha- but people weren't like oh look at these berries let's fucking have a rave you know what i mean and Yes, there was, like, witch-ish things happening in the woods and things like that. But from what I understand, they did not involve things like this, we'll say. What we saw here was very 2021 kids' party. Not kids, you know, younger people's party. Yes. And also, all these people at that age would have been married off at that point. They were, like, 16. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're not wrong. Are you familiar with the uh, Witch's Broom psychedelic legend or whatever? Not legend, or like one of the possibilities? Yes, but you're going to have to remind me. This is like, all I remember is Witch's Broom that rings a bell. So apparently like one of the, like the association of the broom with the the broomstick and the witch was uh, women, you know, pleasuring themselves with things like broom handles, not necessarily broom handles, right? And that they would put like things like the berries like this to almost like desensitize and if they put to be desensitized it would be the other way (laughs) i'm trying to be like you know (laughs) clean they would get them off because their shitty drunk husbands couldn't yes 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 and they would use stuff like this and sometimes you know maybe they were having too much pleasure and their husband would be like witchcraft you know i've never been able to do that so um there is an origin like that that Kind of makes sense. You know? Well, I, I mean, realistically, you were called a, a witch back then because you had land or properties some shitty white guy wanted. So he accused you of being a witch. And they were like, yeah, fuck her, burn her. And then lo and behold, your house would be claimed. 
Oh, man. <laughs> but here, it's just... There is, like, a witch in the woods. There, There is a witch in the woods, and she does practice some kind of witchcraft or whatever. But we learn that it's actually uh, Solomon Fear. Wait, Solomon Good. 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 Solomon Good. Yeah, Solomon Good, who's actually been pulling the strings the entire time. And boom, it's Sheriff Nick Good. For the shittiest of white guy reasons, too. It's basically he got sick of adversity, so he made a deal with the devil. It was like, oh, really? Oh, I'm so sorry, you mediocre white guy. You're sick of, like, fucking not getting a win. Cool. So let's go murder all the children in the goddamn village. Great idea. Does that not check a little bit, though? Oh, my. It does. It does. I was. <laughs> this is going to be really bad. I was so happy when our little brother got murdered because, bless him, he struggled the most with the accent work. Yeah, poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Again, don't put your teenagers in these positions. Um, but, but before we get, though, into the uh, second half, which is more of the modern thing, the other notes I had, oh, I think off air you mentioned that, or you, we, we don't have to talk about the uh, fellating in the woods. It's not fellating. It's, uh, uh, I can't oh, ever say it. Cunnilinging. Cunnilinging in the woods, yes. <laughs> I am like, listen, I am not a historian. I don't have a history degree like you do, but I'm pretty sure that if you're going to go have some young oral pleasure in the woods, you're probably going to, like, do a better job of not getting caught back then. Maybe it was the drugs, but don't do it at the party, too. Why don't you go out the next day when there's literally no one in the woods because we're ignoring Native Americans and then have that privacy? But whatever. They get caught. It was just, yeah. I, I don't, what am I trying to say here? I didn't know what a blowjob was till Bill Clinton. In 1998, okay, when I was like, so it's just it, it's it's weird how much we've progressed as far as like sexual lex- lexicon in those like intervening what 20 shit 23 24 years, but it's also like I'm pretty sure teenagers wouldn't be doing that back then because the Puritans so the Puritans were sluts. But they were sluts in the bounds of marriage, as far as my understanding of them. How so? Well, no, I used to, I, I think I read about it, that the Puritans were all about getting freaky-deaky, but you had to get married to get freaky-deaky. Interesting, interesting. That's my very vague recollection of that religion. So, like, I just don't think that two Puritan teenagers would be going at it in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, I, I don't know. It serves the story. It is what it is. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say. Oh, oh, one more thing I did want to talk about 1666. We get a pet that dies. Oh, God, yeah. I, I felt bad that I took that out of the... Um, yeah. Out of the, uh, the, the bingo. Because I'm like, well, this isn't following Fear Street rules. But no, definitely. I was like, ah, there's the dead dog. There we go. And then there's like a, a decapitated goat, too. And a pig. And they kill the pig. Can, okay, before we move on, can, this is like, I'm not a horror person, but that fucking hand scene was so gross. Yeah, that was a little gory, but I mean, I, I didn't mind. I, I, we hadn't really seen a lot from it in this film, so. But like, it was just like, it wasn't like, it was just gross, like, gross. <laughs> like, dude, like, come on, she had to, like, it got ripped off after it was half cut off. That's fucking gross. Yeah. Oof. Who who likes that shit? A lot of people. A lot of people. Why? That's very popular. It was ooky, okay? <laughs> That's what I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it was a prolonged, like, I get it. I'm sure they're going to justify it. Like, brutality against women is this brutal and violent. Let's not shy away from it if we're going to do it. But, like, gross. 
I agree. The 1600s were a gross time, Kate. Hands came off all the time. D- did they? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Maybe. And no, I, I think- can just... Brian, all I can tell you is when I reread the books, the best scene in all of them, it was fucking bonkers. And that's why I'm like, oh yeah, no, I still love these books. It's like a good cast a black magic spell on himself to make himself appear younger and fall and like a, a fear girl fall in love with him and then he walks to meet her family and then an elder fear uses his cursed amulet and screams out in latin domination through evil and then the goods head pops off and then in like fills in his old decrepit face and like that was fucking awesome yeah that nothing in this 1666 like got to the point of that bonkers bananasness. No, and largely in the whole 1666 thing, if I want to take it seriously, I was disappointed. If I want to just laugh at the ridiculousness, I was satisfied. And and that's where I'll leave off. Like if this movie wants my respect, it doesn't get it. If this movie <laughs> wants, but if this, if or we'll say 1666 part. But if it wants me to like have a good time, I had a good time because it was silly as shit. It was real. Yeah. Yeah, once I once I started to let it smother me, I'm like, well, this is probably the best one because <laughs> it's just so fucking bananas. But we get like it, it's an hour in 1666, and we get uh, the second hour of the film back in 1993 to conclude the trilogy, and they actually say on the screen, "Part two, 1994." Yeah, 1994. Uh, what do you think of this second half? Because a lot of people on the internet actually really enjoyed the set piece at the mall. I appreciated that it was set at the mall. I appreciate that they chose uh, Come Out and Play by The Offspring. And I appreciated that Jillian Jacobs didn't die. Yeah, and honestly, again, it's showing our age, but she was a real bright star in this film. I'm a fan of Jillian Jacobs. I'm glad she didn't die. I was... I was worried for a second that they were going to kill her off because typically you have to kill off the older final girl to let the younger final girl like be the final girl because there can only be one. So I do appreciate her subverting the trope and letting all like the bait live like we talked about earlier. I know some people on the internet really liked the, the bad guys fighting themselves. I thought that it the very end was pretty rushed like when she just does that fucking uh it was it called the konami code where it's up up down yeah. it's fucking dumb and sarah fear like basically channels her to kill nick good fucking dumb <laughs> i want to talk about nick good though did you see this twist coming oh god yeah i think I'd, i think yeah because his name was good yeah well i was not sure because everything you told me goods versus fears we knew that the fears weren't going to be as bad when we saw our main character transformed into one Right? Like, that's, even if you didn't know the story, that's an obvious one. But they kept alluding to, like, his brother, who's the mayor. And I'm like, is this going to be the bad guy? But nope. It ends up being the cop and how 2021 wokeness, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even make that connection. Oh, yeah. A lot of people online have been like, okay, all cops, bad cops, right? That's what you're trying to tell us. Um, oh, I didn't even get that. I, I was just like, of course, he's a good. So the thing I was trying to work out. And I think I answered this myself, but I'll see if you agree. Why did he kick this off in 1994 again? Right? Because it, it's basically to get something. So I figure he was doing this for his brother's re-election bid. There had to have been something, right? I, I think there are a lot of layers here that we, well, maybe not a lot of layers, but there are a lot of things <laughs> that aren't no answered. That's a, good, that's a good reason for that. It looks like throughout the years, there's always been something, right? And we don't exactly know his motivations as much. And of course, he, he plays... Uh, Solomon Good, 
the same actor. So when we see that turn, we're like, oh, shit. The only oh, shit moment I had from it wasn't necessarily that it was him. It was the fact that uh, Jillian Jacobs' character, like, called him up, and they had kind of a romance, right? And I'm like, oh, no. You but know? he saved her. No, that's why he brought her back. Like, if you think back to the, the end of uh, 1770, no, 1978, he's like, enough people have died tonight. I'm not going to let you die. Yeah. Like, he he had a soft spot for her. I think he was giving her a heads up because he's the one who gives the little sheet of paper in the 94 in the first movie. He's like, it's happening again. Yeah, no, in the end of the day, I actually liked their storyline because he really did have feelings for her. I was more, at the beginning of this part, I was more like, oh, he did this all to betray her and kill her. Then it didn't end up being necessarily the case uh, because he she ends up trapping him through her love or whatever later. But... Uh, interesting, fascinating. Did you notice that Solomon Good had a, a decapitated a black goat for his first initial sacrifice, and then there were just a bunch of like sheep and goats in his house when they walked through at the very end? Oh, good call. I didn't see. I didn't recognize that. That's a good call. Oh, I did. I, I couldn't figure out if they were like doll sheep who sit on the rocks above, or if they were um, other goats, but they were white goats. But there was definitely some some correlation there. So I wanted to ask uh, what you thought of the Martin character, because we had alluded to in the early, well, the first film, he was definitely coming back. We knew that he gave uh, one of the kids his business card and we didn't know what he did or what he did. It turned out he was just like. A dude with a business card. A dude with a business card does, does <laughs> shit. But that's how, that's how I also knew that they were going with the uh, uh, all cops are bad cops kind of subplot too, because when they go to pick him up at his house, he just assumes like the cops are coming for him again. And then we get a little flashback that they've been framing him for spray painting things. But yeah, he's just like a, some dude smoking weed and say, like, Hey, you want to help us kill like some bad guys? Sure. And hops in the car. <laughs> uh, so I guess, what did you think of his whole story arc? If you want to call it that. His, his 10 minute story arc. Yeah. I, I liked him. I thought, I mean, I guess before I knew what this trilogy was in the first movie, I thought they were setting himself up for something more mysterious than mm -hmm. that but i'm i think so this is the context we're missing here i think we were supposed to think that he was gonna die because yes 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 uh, yeah as you mentioned subverting that which i think is great yeah like i think that we were supposed to think oh they're bringing him into the story basically just to kill him off to give a higher body count that's fine but honestly i, I thought he was like actually cool and interesting that maybe we'll save him for an award later but I, I would like to see more of him. And I'm with, yeah, I, I, he is one of the, what I liked about him is he knew how to act, like literally <laughs> an actor. So it was just, a, he had a nice strong presence and I think he propped up the younger actors who weren't as good. Like we needed Jillian Jacobs and um, his character, Martin, in, the, in those end scenes because we needed people who could carry the scenes. Yeah, his name is uh, Daryl Britt Gibson. He's been in a ton of stuff recently. Um, he was in All Judas on Netflix? And the, no, Judas and the Black Messiah. Wait, was that on Netflix? I don't know. Was that? I just feel like Netflix likes to hire their own people. Yeah, but this guy seems to be outside the Netflix world, at least for now. Maybe not, you know, in the future. But he was in that Three Billboards movie. Uh, so he's... Oh, that movie. Yeah, I don't think it, like, ever as the lead, but this is a seasoned actor. We'll just put it that way. You know, he's been on... That sounds condescending, but real sets. So I think you're right. He does bring, he does bring a presence to uh, the screen. And that scene at the end end, the post credit scene where we see that someone else picks up the the book, the 
evil witch's book or whatever. <laughs> Why it, wouldn't you fucking burn it? You had a leisurely yeah. walk from the catacombs to his house. But I'm happy they did because it, then we might get the spinoffs. I hope he's a character in spinoffs. I hope he just reoccurs in all the films. I'd like him to re- reoccur because and he was cool. Yeah, no, he was good. I liked him. I don't know what Jillian Jacobs had to do to talk to that depressed mom of Ruby, Ruby Lane. Like, I don't know why she had to come in and talk to her. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> the final battle, though, it's it's cool. And I get why horror fans might like this stuff. When you, And then you get to see the monsters battle each other or whatever. I'm not, the, I'm not, yeah, I'm not the biggest, like, fan of that necessarily. I don't mean that I hate it, but... That's not what I'm necessarily here for. I did like the colors. I did like the neon-soaked nature of battling in a mall like that. Like malls. I miss malls. Yeah. Like the malls of our youth. That was fun. Again, when you could just say, I'm going to the mall, and that's all that matters. Like, we're just Seriously, at the mall. We just walked around and did nothing, and maybe we bought some so Like, it was... It, we wasted so much of our youth at malls. <laughs> And it was kind of a proto form of social media, right? Like, or texting even, right? Like you get together with your friends and the things that like friends message each other now about, it was like, no, we're going to walk around in the mall and we're going to talk and we're going to yeah. look at shit. I, I do feel bad for younger generations, especially teens right now, because we've, it, I get why they have a problem with us. Just like we have a problem with boomers is and like, we were like, okay, the mall is fun, but we can just buy everything on Amazon now. So we, like, the mall doesn't, is not the thing anymore. You know what I mean? So, no. like, older generations have basically killed socialization opportunities because we like convenience. Yeah, the mall was, like, the internet. <laughs> it was. That's where and you like bought the, shit and talked to people. Exactly. And the thing <laughs> about the mall was if you had a bad day at the mall, it's okay because next weekend will be different and better. Yeah, you could leave them all or, you know, well, your parents sometimes would have to pick you up, but you could leave them all when you wanted and you you didn't have them all constantly in your hand. Yeah, it's wild to me. So I am not a phone person. Like I'm not like, I don't give a shit about my phone. I would leave it at home because I would forget about it if I didn't need my GPS to drive. Truly, like (laughs) I'm just not tied to my phone ever. So it drives me insane when I'm out with my friends and they just start group texting or they go online and check something. I'm like, you motherfucker, I am here. My presence <laughs> should override. And I, I just believe like presence should override your pocket computer. Like it just should because like nobody's presence is a guarantee in your life. No, no, exactly. And it's look, it's tough. And it's even tougher if you grow up with that. It's even tougher if now I, when I see my friends, kids, that they're documented every second of their life. Oh my God. They're never going to be even able to re- be removed from that in a second. I used to have, because I can be addicted to my phone, because, especially because I use it a lot with work and stuff. I used to like go to Europe on purpose, like plan, plan my trips to places where phones used to not work. And it would be yeah. a great little vacation, right? And now that's not even a thing. Like, oh, I'm in Sri Lanka. Oh my God, I have service. How is this possible? Yeah, it's bad for your mental health, truly. Like, I'm happier on days I'm not on Twitter. Like, truly. And, and let's let's get even more deeper. I know, again, a little off air, we were talking about some of this stuff, but I want to say this one, one on air. The fact, and because it, it relates to high school as well. This pandemic did a lot of bad things, obviously, but one of them was giving people the ability to work from home, which in theory is good and it's good. I know you're someone who works from home and that's great, but now jobs know that you can work from home. So if you call in sick, they still expect you to do stuff, you yes. know? 
and and I call it the snow day effect because now there's no more snow days. And we had that here in New York for the winter that snow days do not exist anymore. When it was, oh. Well, I know it. Look, you live in Alaska. Every day is a snow day. But here. Right. No, it's awful. <laughs> snow days were a day, unexpected day off where you got to go outside, play with kids from the neighborhood and go sled places you normally couldn't sled because the cars weren't there. Now you can't distance learning on snow days you have to no fuck that no i hope i hope parents rebel like it it, no it's not it already happened this season here where instead every snow day instead was uh, and they said oh it's because we missed a lot of days of covid whatever but that's not going to change they're gonna be like hey it's snowing outside but you know what get on that computer and we'll learn via zoom anyway no i i i do not it is a very rare call so I've worked for myself since 2018 and this fucking pandemic started the expectation that I would be on video calls. And I, unless you are a very special client, I will not do a video call with you. It is none of your damn business where I am when I'm talking to you and what my home looks like. That is just, that is like a hard no for me. And it's like, plus I don't want to put on makeup. That's like an extra 20 minutes of my time that I can't bill you for. I can't just be like, oh, you wanted a video call and I had to put my face on to like meet societal expectations. I'm billing you for that. They'd be like, fuck no. I I take, yeah, no, I take a hard stance against video calls in a lot of settings because it's just, it's none of your damn business what I look like, where my home is or where I'm taking this call. (sighs) No, I'm I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. It's just, again, we're going to, it's, we'll see, we'll see. And we'll be the boomers that people hate being like, oh, we didn't grow up with that. And you, you have, again, everyone's. No, see, a- I, I disagree with you. I think we're reaching a, a point where there's going to be a massive backlash. And so first off, I think social media channels in the next five to 10 years are going to be regulated by the government. It, it came out this week that Biden's like, there's 15 assholes on Facebook that are keeping everybody from getting vaccinated. I genuinely believe that the wild west of social media is going to come to a close and not this like group of like generation of teens but the ones that come after them they're going to have a different experience that i think is going to be a lot healthier because unfortunately gen z and millennials we've been the guinea pigs for all of this right like we've been the guinea pigs for phones we've been the guinea pigs for social media government regulation is coming there is no fucking way it's not coming just based on the amount of disinformation campaigns and the way it's being weaponized by us by foreign entities against us like that is coming i think that phones are going to get dialed down. I truly do. I think that people don't like being this available. And I do think that after this pandemic that we're going to have a lot of video calls in the next one to year, two, two years, but it's going to, it's going to start getting regulated because shit's going to be happening on these video calls and people's homes are going to be losing their jobs. There's going to be lawsuits and the courts are going to have to weigh in and they say, what happens in someone's home is or is not in the control of the workplace. It's it's all coming. It's just not going to come right now. We'll see. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's I'll believe all that when I see it. I, I'm not against it, obviously. I mean, who the hell knows? We're we're in weird territory, but it is again. It is related to what we're talking about here. Yeah. Which, again, the mall and stuff, and, and seeing just go from the mall to what we have now to what might come to be. It's, it's a weird, weird place. And just, again, the idea here, too, of we see it in movies and it's glorified. Uh, I don't want to say feral kids, but in terms of kids going out and solving shit together, right? I don't know how often that happens today. Uh, I hope, you know, as much as people are being killed in this movie, I hope, like, the glorification of the mall gives a little bit of a resurgence to hanging out with your friends and talking in that kind of way, you know? Yeah, just... I, it's, I, 
do sound old, but like, get off your fucking phone. Go out, take a walk. Go, go talk to people. Like, go engage. It's it's just it's wild how much we let technology control our social interactions. Especially like I'm single. You don't really go to bars and chat people up anymore. Like it it all happens on these horrible apps where we're all commoditized. It's awful. Yeah. How how weird. Is, I mean, look, there's been a lot of positives from like the dating app world, right? But like, how weird is that too? Because I I know I noticed that just like walking in, you know, just like a bar with my friends, right? Like when I was young, you walked in a bar with your friends, and the singles are looking at the singles, right? Right? Yeah. That never happens today. Everyone knows each other who walks into a bar, you know? And yeah. e- even if you know them from an app, it's still like, there's never like, oh, hey, hi, you, you know? Like, yeah, they don't, people just don't engage with strangers anymore. And I really feel like that's just not good for our society. No, no. Uh, uh. But that's also like to tie it back to the movie, that's why they based this in 1994, because this story could not have been told in 2021. Yeah. I- and I feel like we're biting off more than, not that more than we could chew, but more than the Fear Street uh, 16666 audience probably anticipates, but they should, <laughs> they should know us by now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're either agreeing or disagreeing here, but I do think it, it's, it's relevant to this conversation. There is a reason why they had to tell this story in the 90s and not 2021 because think about it you'd have camera phones like it would have been all over youtube brian torres they would have been like it would have been like crowdsourced that like oh why are there flies on him or you know what i mean and then there'd be the the backlash the backlash like shady side versus sunnydale as sunnyvale as far as like socioeconomic status it just would have been it would have been too fucking messy and complicated and it might have all happened online too exactly like (laughs) yeah man so the one thing that I didn't, like, I don't understand the schism between Shadyside and Sunnyvale because it all could have just happened in the context of if the devil's granting you wishes and people have to die, why did we have to have this town rivalry? From what I understand, it was just like the energy was being sucked out of the, you know, the poorer town so that the richer town could benefit. But But the way I saw it was like, that happens in a lot of, places in America without a curse. I don't know if Shadyside is suddenly going to get better now that the curse is theoretically lifted, right? Like- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it definitely is. That's why they showed that Sunnydale, Sunnyvale, keep on calling it Sunnydale, Sunnyvale guy backing out and just getting boned by the- um- Oh, yeah, I, I get all that, but I, I'll put it this way. It's not going to solve all their problems. It'll be better. You see, but didn't you see the dad is going to get a job interview? The absent dad is getting a job interview? Again, great. But does, it, does that mean he's going to love his daughter more? Well, I don't I, know. <laughs> I think that he always did that he was just... Okay, okay, sorry. But it's not going to reverse. It's not going to flip. Like, It's going to even out. And life still sucks no matter the greatest town you live in. Yeah, but I think that the, the central thesis was is that shady side was cursed. That's what all these people ever fucking talk about. And now the curse is lifted. So now the thumb isn't on the scales against them anymore. So they have a fair shot. Okay, I get it. I get it. And now Sunnyvale is Eagleton versus Pawnee vibe. It's it's literally like Parks and Rec already covered. <laughs> Eagleton went bankrupt and got absorbed into Sunny uh, into Pawnee. I think that's exactly what's going to happen to Sunnydale and um, Shady Side. But no. Okay, so here's something else. So I was about to say, but it's I think that sheriff is going to get reelected because the curse, the kills already happened. But then I realized they had this thing like oh when the curse bearer dies, everything gets reversed. But then I just confused myself because 
remember in 1978 that the guy had just died that yeah. Nick Good's dad had just died so wouldn't that have stopped the curses but then Nick Good went and had to go do more curses so I don't I don't get this no I think you I think there was a throwaway line somewhere where it was like when the person dies they pass the power on so the physical body of Nick Good's dad died but that was like the camp was like the first summer that Nick Good finally had the power because his dad had just died. Uh, so I guess there had to be a ceremony? Maybe, possibly. And now, like, he, Nick Good doesn't have kids. Maybe, you know, he doesn't have a descendant, as far as we know, unless, unless he does. And we're going to learn about it later. But, like, it died with him because he had no descendant to pass it along in perhaps a witch-like mm. ceremony. Okay. Then why do you have to kill everyone in 78? What did they want then? What did those greedy fuckers want? I don't know. That, like, I'm a little confused about motivations there, but I don't know. One thing, oh, I don't want to forget this. So did you see the Fear Street Easter egg in this? The big one. This The street sign that you brought up? The street sign, yes. but the, So not literally Fear Street, but so when she- Oh, the gets, books? The books, yeah, the books, yeah. So oh, yeah, she, well, yeah, because she calls attention to them. Yeah, well, she gets stabbed, but she has like a- special chess thing of they're are they i don't think they're called fear street they're, yeah I've, they're fear streets i it thought says, it says fear street i think it's like a fake name on that because the author is robert lawrence but that's arl stein's real name yeah exactly so it's like a pseudo fear street that exists i'll have to take a look and i'll, I'll rewatch and see if like the, it says fear street on it but it's the fear street font i think it's the actual book titles of some of them oh yeah no it's the first evil because that's the book yeah it says the first evil falls on top of sarah fear's grave yeah, so look, you got a little bit of a wink-wink to you, Kate. That's not enough. Let's <laughs> not pretend like that's enough. How about, you want to talk about not enough. How about the payoff at the end with the brother and that the girl he was talking to in the chat room was oh. some, like, some like hot girl who's like into murders too. It's like, okay. Oh, some hot nerd queen. That yeah. was fucking dumb. Like, what? we didn't even need that subplot. Like, we, we didn't need that. They built to like, yeah, I, again, you, your theory of like that was going to be like a good behind the scenes is so much I thought so it was going to be Sarah Fear. I thought or it was a Fear, a Fear, sorry. Yeah. Someone, right? Like, not like, hey, I'm a cute nerd who's perfect for you. Yes. Who, like, has anachronistic, like, shit right there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was just, like, nobody would have written, first off, being on the internet wasn't fucking cool in 1994, and even people who were fucking very much online knew it wasn't fucking cool. Like, they just knew. They wouldn't have given out their screen name. And it would have been called, like, a, I'm pretty sure it was called a handle in, like, 1996 when I went to chat rooms. So I, it was not a username. It wasn't an at. It was, like, come on. They needed to make sure the kids, like, you know, could relate to it. But it's, like, this whole mo- like, trust your audience, man. Trust <laughs> your audience. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> like, come on. So anything else, though, you wanted to talk about with this uh, last installment of Fear Street? I think we tied up the whole series pretty well, too. So anything else you want to mention before we get into our awards? I mean, look, if you liked it, more power to you. If you didn't like it, go read a Fear Street. They're bananas, and they're just amazing. And yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that's what I got. Do we have to ask the question of who was this movie for, or have we said it too many times? Okay, so I need, so, okay, so I actually just muted it because I'm on my laptop and I pulled up the Fear like, the last part. They don't have Fear Street on the title, the books. Okay. But they do have the title names and they have the first evil, the wrong number, surprise, and surprise party. There you go. 
there you go. They said thank you, Kate Hudson, for supporting Fear Street so we could have made this series. Fuck you guys. Just fuck you guys. That's all I got to say. Who is this movie for? Well, I don't know, Brian, but it wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) Very true, very true. Most likely to succeed. Who winds up on top at the end of this movie? What character? Who winds up on top? That's a good question. And I mean, obviously, you want to say Dina, but that's dumb. You know who? You know who winds up on top, even though their life is going to be miserable. Um, Ruby Lane's mom, because she gets vindicated. She tried to stop the evil, and now the evil is finally stopped. So good for her. Yeah, good for her. That's a good choice. Also, all of all of Shady's side now. So good for them. They have a shot. So. Except for the ones that died. Yes, except for the dead ones, but. The- uh, they sacrificed for... No, actually, no. They were just useless deaths. You know, Kate would have been such a more compelling final girl than Dina. Yeah, that would be interesting. Dina Again, was, I, I liked her. I liked Kate. Dina was a wet blanket. Dina didn't have much of a personality. Maybe we'll get a, you know, back from the dead Kate spinoff. Who knows? I don't think Kate, after getting her brains, like, gone through a bread slice... Which they showed again. From, yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't mind Simon getting it in the head, because I... I found him obnoxious, but I liked Kate. <laughs> not because of her kill, name. No, no, I know. I know. <laughs> it was not because of her name. I like bad girls. I just do. I always, because I always wanted to be a bad girl. I think, I think your reputation on this podcast is that of a bad girl. But if you were, <laughs> but if you were really, really, truly a bad girl, you wouldn't come on nerdy film podcasts. So. No, I wouldn't. Like I always, I, I always wanted to be a bad girl. I didn't want to live with the ramifications of being a bad girl. <laughs> Is Fair what it enough. comes down to. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, Wooderson Award. Is there a character who you would have liked to see more of? I already answered that I, I wanted it to be Martin. Is there someone for you? No, I like. I think Martin was by far the most interesting and compelling. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character here who would have, whose omission would make the film better? Her brother sucks. I'm sorry. Like he, like I, like come on. I thought they set him up well in the first film, and then like he's just a dud for the next two movies. Yeah, he goes and gets his arm broken by Ruby Lane. Like, come on, dude. Like, either give the kid a hero moment or don't. Like, but this whole nerd queen shit at the end was just dumb. Yeah, so I, I would just rewrite the character um, a little bit. I don't think we need a character. I don't think she needed a little brother. Who was gonna be on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we need the? But the whole internet subplot was dumb. It went nowhere. <laughs> Too old to be a high schooler. Anyone here? Cameron Fry Award. Did anyone in this one particularly look like they weren't in high school? No, I think I think they even like the ones who are in like their late twenties looked pretty young to me. But maybe that just means I'm getting older. <laughs> true, true. Okay, let's let's do it. Let's grade this final installment of the Fear Street trilogy here on Netflix. The event of the summer. Ugh. Rotten Tomato. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. The grade is 94% by the critics, 84% by the audience. I'm actually surprised with that 94% by uh, the critics there. But 84% by the audience checks out compared to the other scores, I think. Letterboxd, the film nerds, 3.6, which is not a bad score at all. Um, People, again, people online enjoyed the film. However, Kate, you are not people online, as we've said. You are people here right now. A plus to F grade on Fear Street 1666. What do you give it? I'm going to give, listen, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just like, I feel like I'm one of those obnoxious assholes on Rotten Tomatoes giving a score to a movie that wasn't made for me. So I'm just going to give it like a, like a, a cringy thumbs up because like <laughs> if this is your thing, you don't need some asshole shitting on it 
who didn't like it because it wasn't for that, right? There you go. So I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to refrain because you know what? If you liked it, good. I don't need to shit on your parade. I'm all for, I'm all for what you're saying here. Like that's, uh, let's be those kind of people, you know? Let's not say it sucks because we didn't like it. It's just not for not for Kate Hudson. Yeah, like I, I, I think I don't even know how to critique it without liking it because I don't do things that way. Like I either like something or I don't. If I don't like something, I typically don't engage with it. <laughs> Truly. I'll say this. This one was the most enjoyable for me, but it that's because it makes no sense and because it had a lot of silly things happening. It's definitely not a standalone movie. Um, it definitely needs the other two films. I think the second one was more of a standalone film. Yeah. For sure. If I had to rank them, it's really hard. I think I would need to, and I know you're never going to do this. You made it very clear, but I think I'd need to watch them again after some time and then really rank them because I was not watching them as separate movies either. I was watching them as like a unified story. So a lot of my feelings after the first one, and yours too, frankly, were like, oh, this is going to lead to this, this is going to lead to that. Now watching it back, I'm curious what I would think about that first one, but this is the most rewatchable to me just just because, again, I could see myself with some friends just having a good time, being like, yo, let's put this on. Check out these accents. How silly is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. It's my own deep sadness that this movie wasn't made for me. Let's just put it that way. But look, if you could get past it, good for you. I am happy that some of my online friends who are very much Fear Street nerds as well were like, what the fuck is this? So I'm not alone here. No, That's- I don't think so. I, I, I'd be shocked if a Fear Street person who really loved the books, was like, this was awesome. A lot aren't. Yeah, no. And that's fine. It's just like, man, really? Like, The movie I was expecting was just a much smarter movie than what we got. Because again, I've said this, I'll just say one more time in case you guys didn't listen to the last episodes, but what made Fear Street work for me as a kid and to this day is how it's a juxtaposition of mundane suburban with fucking crazy shit going on and that people just accept the high teen murder rate as a part of doing business and no and nobody ever questions it nobody ever thinks to move and it's like that to me that juxtaposition of mundane and horror was always so weird it was amazing and there's no juxtaposition here in fact she stripped that out and it's just it bums me out man well put well said honestly so it feels weird to move on to this next question. Do what does your What does your Fear Street sixteen sixty six sleeping bag look like? Oh, did we already use hand? I think I already used hand. Yeah. Um. Oh, <laughs> mine's a leprechaun. Why not? The accents were so bad. I'm just <laughs> showing up with a caricature and leprechaun sleeping bag. I want what I want is like a like just your plain old looking sleeping bag that you would get at the mall in nineteen ninety four. But it's going to appear in 1666 without any logic or reason. Whatever. I, I, let's blend this. Because I, I wanted more of that dreamscape blending. So I'm just putting a regular old sleeping bag in 1666. So, you're, so wait, so you're having a slumber party in 1666? I'm going to make it look like it. You know, I'm going to have the regular sleeping bag, but I'm going to put hay around it or something. So <laughs> you're looks- that weird extra kid. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, my mom says I can't sleep over unless I bring my bale of hay. <laughs> my security bale of hay. Right. I, my, my, I just wet the bed unless I do. <laughs> You're that kid. <laughs> You're the one whose mom invites them to all the, sleep, uh, the, the birthday parties and threatens us if we don't show up, c- come up that you're going to be really upset. <laughs> 
uh, those did exist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always went. I always like going to parties because usually the gift bags were awesome. My mother wasn't very – we had moved to the town like when I was younger, and she wasn't like really in with a lot of the cliques of the other town moms. She was more with my br- friends with my brother's moms, right? So like he had oh, more of that because I'm the oldest. So he had more, and my mom's had me at like 21. So she was relatively young, you know. So she wasn't really relating to the moms who were my friends' moms as much as I get. Looking back, I see this. You know what I mean? So yeah. she definitely related to like my younger brothers' uh, friends' moms and stuff. So I got often snubbed for. <gasps> sleeping uh, for sleepovers and slumber parties not because like i was necessarily uncool or anything like that but it was just like i think i was just forgotten in that sense because you know these moms set that uh, stuff up like well i don't really know that lady you know what i mean so uh, i didn't do too many sleepovers and i was like i would come to school like you guys all had a sleepover what the hell you know that's mean (laughs) but you know these these suburban housewives like some of them can be very clucky you think that's 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 not nice. Yeah. So, point is, I didn't have that classic slumber party experience. So maybe that's why I have this show now. Who knows? But favorite question every week. I'm curious where you're gonna go now. Rent two movies, get one free. What what two other recommendations are you picking along for our slumber party with Fear Street 1666? Once again, I have to say it. You know the rules. No Con Air. No Twilight films. Okay. So. Even though you ask me this every time, I always forget to prepare an answer, so I make this up on the fly, so for better or for worse. I think last week I picked a a not porno porno um, (laughs) for reasons known only to myself last week. So what am I going to pick? Well, obviously, if I was a horror dork, I'd pick Chopping Mall, but I'm not a horror dork, so I'm going to pick – what do I want – what am I going to subject you to? If, oh, you know, okay, okay, okay. We're going to pick Scream 2. We're just going to pick sequels that <laughs> sort of you need to watch the first one in order to understand the second one. So we're going to pick Scream 2, which I think is a great movie. Love the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. It's one of the few horror movies I can actually rewatch as an adult. And then, and I also, I love Nev Campbell. And then we are going to pick the Babysitter's Club movie from 1995. Nice. I like, like it. I don't know why it just popped into my head. That's fine. That, that was a movie I was watching around '95. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend that I did what I said I was gonna do and got a horror consultant on this episode. I didn't, obviously. Why would you? you? Know, because I was like, eh, you know. <laughs> but I'm gonna pretend that that horror consultant is picking Chopping Mall and and The Witch, that movie that came out whatever like i said that's like high concept horror that takes place in like the 1600s that this totally was trying to get that just so just so it could exist in the ether so random horror person who didn't come on that's your suggestions but kate i, I like yours more scream 2 and babysitter's club movie <laughs> it's very 90s <laughs> <laughs> well thanks again i know this wasn't the easiest because it disappointed you but thanks again for making the time and, and having these episodes so fresh <laughs> because we recorded them almost every time day of or a couple days after and being able to come on short notice like this really really appreciate it kate we'll have you on again of course because we got to talk eclipse soon we really do it's the 10 year anniversary of see this is so much more my wheelhouse 10 year anniversary of eclipse is upon us oh wow there you go and wanted to mention i released a netflix primer which was a clip show from our previous twilight 
uh, episodes or Twilight Forever episodes uh, last Thursday because Twilight came out on Netflix on Friday. A lot of articles. There was an article in Vogue about Twilight this week because of it. Twilight is eternal. Listen, not to shit on the Fear Street trilogy too much, but 10 years from now, people are not going to be talking about these movies in the same way we still talk about Twilight. It's amazing. It's amazing what's happening. Hopefully you guys out there could watch some Twilight films and have a little feedback. I mean, I I, I haven't checked my Twitter today, but I have some uh, some at mentions with the both of us with some Twilight stuff. So I, I need to take it. a look at that. I, I love, love it. it. I love <laughs> it. I just love that people come to me with Twilight stuff because it like it that I like to engage with the things I like and I don't like to engage with things I don't like. So this has been a slog trying to make this fun and entertaining because I just I didn't fucking like it. Twilight I can talk about all day long because I love it and I love to just play with my Barbies hard on things I like. You know what I mean? I'm not precious about things I like, so I enjoy the other parts about it. But it's, I, you know, I think realistically people on the internet can go down into two camps. My camp, which is let's just talk about the things we like. We don't have to engage with the things we don't like. And people who love to shit on the things they don't like. Yeah. I mean, that's, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, internet shitters out there. Yeah. And like, it's, I find more, I love to shit talk, but I like to shit talk the things I like too. Because there's more fun in shit talking Twilight because it comes from such a place of love than shit talking Fear Street. Because really what do you gain by shit talking something that you didn't like that someone else likes like all you're gonna do is make in the best case scenario someone feel bad about something they like like why would you want to do that i i couldn't agree more i actually you know thinking back in my early podcast career if you will I think I tried to do that a lot, and it just wasn't natural for me because I heard so many other podcasts, and that's what they did. Like, what is the deal with? I don't know why I went into the Seinfeld thing, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> what is the like? What is the deal with this? Or like, oh, that's such bullshit that that existed. And then like early on, I was like, this isn't me. I'm just gonna. I want to have fun, and I want to embrace it. And even if look, even if there are things that my guest comes on that I don't necessarily like. I'm just I just try to be all in and try to see what they enjoy about it because that's it's so much more fun to do that yes. than to just come on and and there's so many podcasts now it's like worst movies oh my god this movie's terrible and yes hate watching can be fun but hate watching is only fun if you're loving the process exactly, of it exactly exactly I will shit talk a lot of my favorite things but it's because I like bad things and I like bad movies but I still really enjoy it I don't get the people who love to tell me well I hate Twilight I'm like good for fucking you you're missing out on a great time like you hate fun got it cool <laughs> well said uh, and looking at my schedule quickly for the rest of the year who knows I know you've been suggesting them Hudson Sixers and stuff like that but <laughs> uh, that aside, we're going to wrap up Twilight Forever for this lap with you guys. I've already had multiple people say they want to be in the next lap. Let's not really? even get there. Let's not even get there yet because I, I, we need to just finish this lap. But there is a movie in September. I'm going to need you for Kate because what? I'm not going to say what it is, but you've already stealthily signed up for this in previous episodes. But we're doing a reunion little series, so a high school reunion. So oh! you, you probably know which film that I need you uh, on. Yeah, but you know I also am an expert on Romeo and Michelle High School Reunion as well. Oh, maybe, maybe you're going to have to pull double duty. I don't know. We'll see. But, yes, uh, stay tuned for that, Slumbers. But, Kate, if hopefully we'll get a Twilight in before the end of the summer. But if not, have a great rest of your summer. Have that hot girl summer you always wanted. You too, Brian. <laughs> As always, big San Emilio Island. 
Thank you, Leo. <laughs> Big San Emilio Island. Thank you to Kate Hudson, as always, for you know just being so prompt and being on these episodes. Even though she ended up not liking the series that much because it wasn't that close to the Fear Street books, we had so much fun talking about it. As I said, she'll be on the Twilight episode soon and some other things this year. I know you're all big Kate Hudson fans out there. So, thank you, Kate. Thank you. We, of course, <laughs> have a movie to talk Friday, Kyle, and that's you and I we're going to be on it. I, I don't yeah. feel like booking guests anymore. You're here. We're living at this house together this summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like Frankie and Annette. Annette? No. Yeah. Wait, no, Annette is the... Act- okay, so Well, it is, but he's Frankie in the movie. Yeah, he's Frankie in the yeah. movie. And she's like, uh, ooh, I should have written notes for this because we're going to record it. What is her name in the movie? Dolores. Dolores, yes. And they call her Dee Dee sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you're familiar with what we're talking about, you know we're talking beach party. And if you're not... Well, you're going to get familiar with it on Friday. Beach Party, for the most uproariously uninhibited unveiling of today's pagan rites. The Simone puberty dance all over again. The observing professor is Bob Cummings. Dorothy Malone is the professor's assistant, who can uh, teach a few things herself. After you write this book on sex. Yes? Read it. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, two youngsters in love you'll love. You know, the only thing I've studied this semester is you. Well, I hope you don't flunk. Ava Six. A prime asset at any party. Harvey Lembeck, a motorcycle matador. Maury Amsterdam, host to Hot Doggers and Beach Bunnies. Why not? Keep a moving and a grooving, don't stop that. Treat him nicely. That's what you should do. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. There's an irresistible surge of that urge to romantically merge. Ah, it's wild and wonderful when 10,000 kids beat on 5,000 beach blankets. Hey, wall-to-wall girls. Laughing, loving, living it up. So, Kyle, what can the slumberers expect on the beach party episode? A beach, a party, two hot young musical, well, more than two, <laughs> very musical kids. 
Um, a beach musician that reminds me a lot of another movie you've covered. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. For the record, I took almost no notes for Beach Party. I just want to go in and like have a party with it. So <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. So guys, that's your unofficial homework. Watch Beach Party for Friday. And remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Day bow bow. <laughs> no, but we're going to take it away with something else off the Fear Street soundtrack. That is Bones, Thugs, and Harmony. Mo Murda. Later, dudes. It's over. Go home. Go.